Hello there, I'm Maíla, in Chaguariúna, Brazil. You're listening to the English Sabbath School podcast, Information and Transformation. Hello there, dear friends. I am Mo Sena for the English Sabbath School podcast. Lesson 13. I said 13 for Monday, December 19th. Today's title, The Pre-Advent Judgment and All That It Entails. <laughs> Joy to the world, the Lord has come. No need to fear the judgment. No need to fear. God loves you and He will cover you with His wings. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the many blessings you've given us, so grateful for the good night of rest and for the promise that you will vindicate us and execute justice. Help us to be faithful to you, to share with others the good news of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So we've been studying this whole quarter about the, the, what death means, what dying means, and the future hope. And one day, all of this will come to an end, all this suffering, all this death. And God will vindicate his chosen ones by of presenting the judgment. And so the concept of judgment before the return of Christ, or what we call a pre-advent judgment, is found in many places in Scripture. So we have here Daniel, Matthew, Revelation, Revelation 11, and Revelation 14. So the question is, how do these passages shed light on the notion of a pre-advent investigative judgment in the heavenly courtroom? What is the significance of, a of such a judgment? Okay, so this is a very important belief of the Seventh-day Adventist Church about the judgment taking place in heaven, and when the judgment is over, uh, Jesus will return. And it's a, a delicate issue because many other Christians don't accept this doctrine, right? Uh, especially because there is the judgment uh, during the millennial as well, and the judgment at the end of days. So how many judgments do you have to have, right? And can we appeal from the pre-advent? Is that is there? Do we have a right to appeal? So let us take a look at these verses. Daniel 7, 9 through 14. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the NIV, the New International Version, but please feel free to use any translation that you prefer. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch, because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain, and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. 
Matthew 22:1-14, the parable of the wedding banquet. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friends? Friend, The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Oh, Revelation 11.1 one. The two witnesses. I was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told, Go and measure the temple of God in the altar with its worshippers. Revelation 11, 18, 19. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroyed the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. And Revelation 14, 6-7. The three angels. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. So the question is, how do these passages shed light on the notion of a pre-advent investigative judgment in the heavenly courtroom? And why is it important, right? Because they like the formality. What is the significance of such a judgment? Why is it important? <laughs> Let's keep it simple. Come on, come on. But anyway, so that's a very, very serious point. Now, does God know who is going to be saved or not? Of course he does. He knows everything. So why does Jesus have to go into the temple, the sanctuary, and uh, the the pre-advent judgment? Is a period of time, the last moments of this world that Jesus is giving us, to repent, abandon our evil ways, and accept before he gets out of the heavenly sanctuary to take us home. So we have a little time only, my friends, to decide where we're going to spend eternity, dead and destroyed, or in heaven, worshiping our Lord and Savior. It seems so easy, doesn't it? The choice? 
Now, the concept of a pre-advent investigative judgment of God's people is grounded in three basic biblical teachings. One is the notion that all the dead, righteous or unrighteous, remain unconscious in their graves until the final resurrections. The second is the existence of universal judgment of all human beings. The third is the fact that the first resurrection will be the blessed reward for the righteous, and the second resurrection will be eternal death for the wicked. What this means is that if all human beings will be judged, they should be judged prior to their respective resurrections, because in those, at those resurrections they will receive their final rewards. The book of Daniel helps us to understand both the time and the nature of that pre-advent judgment. At the end of the 2300 symbolic days, in 1844, the heavenly sanctuary would be cleansed. Daniel 8.14, Hebrews 9.23, and the pre-advent investigative judgment would begin. Two different ways of expressing the same event. And the judgment is in favor of the saints of the Most High. That is, it's good news for God's people. Good news. In Matthew 22, Jesus spoke of an investigation of the wedding guests before the wedding feast actually started. And in the book of Revelation, the pre-advent judge, investigative judgment is referred to in the task of measuring those who worship in the temple of God and in the announcement that the hour of his judgment has come. Wow, fantastic, yes. And the final question is, how should our knowledge of a judgment in heaven impact how we live here on earth? And it doesn't matter if it's happening now. It's just that we know that we will be vindicated, but by what we are doing here. So our work, our things that we do, we say, we think, will reflect uh, who is dwelling in us, right? Very interesting lesson for today, yes titled The Pre-Advent Judgment. I am Mo Sena for the English Sabbath School Podcast. And yes, yes, Nilton, you're right. Uh, the spelling for judgment, there are two spellings. The one that we have in the quarterly, J-U-D-G-M-E-N-T, is the American spelling. The British spelling has another E after the letter G. So it's G-J-U-D-G-E. M-E-N-T. But it how matter, no matter how you, uh, you spell it with a, a second E or not, it doesn't matter because what is important is you have to accept Jesus and don't be afraid of the judgment. Because I remember in the past, many people would preach in churches about the judgment as something that you should be terrified. You should be uh, under anxiety every single day for your soul. And no, rejoice. It's good news. Your lawyer and your judge, they are for you and they are not against you. Uh, uh, praise the Lord for that. For more information, please contact us on Facebook, Believes Unesp, or Instagram. Tell friends about our podcast available on any podcast platform. Rate us with five stars so that more people may discover us. Thank you, my friends, for listening, for sharing, and for praying, not only with us, but for us.